Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 Writer foster child advocate and this week explorer of voiceover acting that is so cool humbling experience that is humbling. so i don't cool. know anything i have all these secret lives that i don't know about <laughs> and i'm suzanne kern's mom and dot 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 writer lgbtq and sex ed advocate and today i am a legislative bill reviewer for the state of texas there are already 50 anti-LGBTQ bills here in Texas. So yeah, <laughs> we'll have some links in the show notes too, in case you live in Austin and want to learn yeah. more for the Informed Parents of Austin group that I run. Yeah, there's going to be some work to do. But yeah. today we are so excited to welcome Megan Young to the show. Megan is a trained life coach specializing in life transitions and grief. Through her own personal story of loss, she has discovered the key to creating a fulfilling life alongside her grief and new life chapters. Megan provides her clients with guidance, tools, and perspective while navigating grief. She's also the author of Life After Loss Workbook Series for Human and Pet Death, available on Amazon. Megan and her husband have two sons, Lincoln and Towns, an elderly cat named Dudley. That's so cute. <laughs> and so chickens. Cute. Oh, don't tell anybody that. They're going to be coming for your eggs. <laughs> I know. Right. right. Uh, they reside in the Texas Hill Country outside of Austin. And Megan loves to lend support and encouragement to her community, family, and friends. Welcome. We are so Welcome. glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I, I listen to you guys, and I feel like you know, you you have that look, listen, learn, look, listen, learn. We can never look, remember. The yeah, and either. I feel like you guys are a lot of the the listen and to learn. So it's it's oh, nice to you. to be here. Yeah, I love thank that. You. Well, we got a little glimpse at you in your bio, but we'd love it if you can give us a slightly deeper Megan one hundred and one and talk about how you got to where you are today. Well, it's not as streamlined as one would think for Greece. Um, especially when I feel like death and grief are just part of my life daily. And now at this point, it's very normal. And it's almost too normal in my household. Like it's wow. the, the conversation. So I started in the fashion industry when I was younger. I went to school for it, all that good stuff. Um, was working at the World Trade Center in Dallas. And and all of it just didn't seem like, you know, you get to a certain point and it just seemed like this is not, it. Mm -hmm. I thought I did all these, all these things and I'm here yep. and it doesn't seem like this is me. Mm -hmm. So yep. I found my first life coach when I was 22 and that was before like life coaching was a thing, I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she changed my life. Um, wow. Put me on a path that was really fulfilling. It was still in fashion, but sports. Um, I have a sports background. My, my coach is all in my family for tennis. So it just, it made more sense. So really how it led here, long story short, went through the career of fashion, then went into sports with the United States Tennis Association. And within all of that, which was very fulfilling and, and I loved it, um, the personal side that led me here was I lost my sister in a car wreck. It was actually here in Austin. So um, thank you. And it, it, I'm, I'm the youngest of three girls and it completely shook us to the core. We're all tears apart. We're very, very close. She was about to get married. So three months before her wedding to a man she's been with for 10 years, we had to unplan, if that's a word, a wedding mm -hmm. and plan a funeral. And that experience in itself was one that will obviously shake everything you had going for you at the time and, and, and all the planning that you were doing. It literally gives you a new set of lenses Mm -hmm. as a lot of people will gr with grief will tell you. And so from that part on, I began my healing journey. And that took years of so many different forms of therapy from traditional forms of therapy, energy work, chiropractics, you name it. I did, I've done a lot of stuff. And a lot of this stuff I did just to try because I, of the three girls, I was always the seeker, the one who 
mm-hmm. wanted to, I was seeking, there's got to be another way. Like, this is not how I want to live my life with this right. break. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like that part of me has always been there. But I had my first child in 2016. And right before that, I had already made the decision that I was going to become a life coach. So I, I went through the training. And then once he was born, I decided to go off and leave the USTA and go full time in life coaching. So I've started out with the live transition piece because that's what I know. I've walked the walk. I have all of the strategies that not only worked for me, but the things that I've learned. So then life had another little segment they wanted me to do. And a lot of people that were coming to me had lost someone significant in their life. So I found myself helping people in a grief point where they were ready to find a way to live alongside their grief. Yeah. Versus a lot of people need to start at some point and then maybe gradually get there because grief is different for every single person. But mainly these people were just fed up there had to be something else kind of like I was saying with my own. So then it turned into the grief work and then the books kind of wrote themselves because I had clients to stem from of what really actually worked, what created the movement for them, what created the coping mechanisms for them. And so, yeah, so I've, I've just been in this space for five years and then a life coach for seven. And yeah, so that's where I am as far as professionally. And I think that the life transition point of different careers that you may have, it's never too late to -hmm. change that up. And um, my favorite thing. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, I was going to ask you what made you decide to focus your energy in the area of grief, but you answered that so beautifully already. But but it's interesting that you did kind of weave in this point of so many of us do automatically associate grief with losing someone. And I know that you have the the loss of a pet book uh, now. So whether it be a human family member or a furry family member, Mm -hmm. Um, but in looking through your services, we were really fascinated by the fact that you do so much around life transitions, but I think that there actually can be a grief intertwined with those life transitions, especially if it's a loss of an identity or this vision of what you had for your life that is not coming to fruition. And I loved it. I had never heard this category, but one that you had on your website was lost professional. <laughs> I thought that oh. was, what a beautiful way of putting it. So oh, yes, that yes. is what I am. <laughs> yeah, there's lost professional and mothers who need to redefine their lives. So, I yeah. mean, we could probably talk about those for the rest of the week, That's but can you sure. touch on those a little bit for us? Yes, absolutely. Well, I've been both. So, um, (laughs) you know, I think that a lot of people don't realize that grief is existing within that space, especially when you have your first child and you're you're really transitioning into the mother that you want to be. And for those who maybe did some work prior to uh, kind of define what that is, it, it may come a little easier to understand that. But if you did it, which is okay, you had this opportunity, even if your kids are 18, to define what that means to you, how this 18-year-old even is going to be a part of your life from here on out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the, the empty nesting grief is real and strong. But Don't tell um, me that. My daughter's going to college. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have but one at home. You don't hope. have to empty nest yet. That's true. Yeah, that's the, true. Exactly. Half yeah. a nest. Um, but the lost professional, which a lot of people faced during COVID and Ooh, 2020, yeah. and then the space in which you... You know, maybe you were a stay-at-home mom for a long time and wanted to enter back into that workforce. And then, then you're there and this grief of like moving into a new transition that maybe you, you chose. Mm-hmm. So even if you are choosing something, even if you're choosing to move or choosing another profession or choosing to be at home with your children, your family, mm-hmm it still can produce grief. And I think that that's where people get really confused. So it's like, I made this choice, I'm, I'm good with it. And then I have this grief. And really what that means, it's what about the old life? Are you grieving? Like specifically, I mean, be very, very mm, truthful with yourself. If you go back to one thing, let's just say it's something simple, like I miss brunches or, you know, I miss... Um, <laughs> I miss a certain part of my life 
not just the independence, but the way that it was a little carefree or more mm-hmm. carefree or something of that nature. I think Missy um, and I both had a missing flying on airplanes like normal human beings. I, oh, <laughs> didn't you? Have, I had a complete yes. breakdown. Yes. Like, it was like when my daughter was like, oh, we're never going to get to like watch a movie on a plane again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, had a, I had a meltdown over a bowl of cereal. I don't even really eat cereal that often, but I was eating it and my child started crying and he had like a radar attached to my meal times and so the minute I would sit down to eat he would wake up and cry no matter what time of day it was Crazy. And I thought, I'm never that. ever going to eat a bowl of cereal or anything else again without <laughs> the I couldn't see my way out of it and I was really grieving just independence was what it really was mm-hmm. right exactly so those are perfect examples of really understanding what it is that you're grieving and then the part about grief that is really important, and this is with the loss of in death or and or just in life in general, but is control. So control mm. is what we have to gain back in some capacity because mm. death in general, you can't control, right? It's the yeah. one thing that's right. definite that you're not going to have a control over. So if that's the case, what control can I take back? And hmm. even if it is saying to yourself, okay, you know, let's take the cereal example. You know, my kid knows that I get up at this point and I have a bowl of cereal. What about taking control? I'm going to look at my day. I'm going to look at my entire day and see the points where I can have a nice lunch by myself, even if it's 2 p.m. before you go pick the kids up. But whatever it is to gain some control, I'm going to have five minutes of reading. If that's one of your goals, that was one of my goals last year. It's just like, how do you read a book when you're a mom, right? So, Mm -hmm. but five minutes I gave myself each day, I found the pockets of time. So it's really regaining some control in your life because it does feel like it's chaotic. But the important piece to that is actually at the end of the day, realizing that you did that for yourselves. So saying, oh, my Wednesday was my kids ate at least one decent meal. <laughs> um, <laughs> May have been I, at school. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I had um, a great day at work or at least checklist is half done. That's the win. And the other win is that I found five, 10, 20 minutes for myself. And so you're just signaling to your brain that you want more of that. So it's really yeah. about creating these pathways for your brain to find more time for yourself or what you like to enjoy. And so instead of getting chaotic in the moment, your brain will find a sense of relief that for the time being, the task is kids, school, let's get get it there. Because later on, I know that I'm going to fill a part of myself during a nap or right before bed, uh, something that's going to help you gain at least that little control. Yeah. I wonder though, you know, right now I'm in, I'm two, well, three and six year old. So I've heard, so that's like the, the energetic, the physical part. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And then it gets yep. a little less physical. It's Is a that real right? mental or... game? It's a real <laughs> mental game after that. Yeah. Okay. It's mental. Okay. Yes. So that's, I feel like physical would be, yes, find those times when they're not there. They're not as present. Maybe they're going, maybe they're in the next room playing, you know, safely then you can find your, your um, you know, space and zen, whatever you want to call it. The mental part of the, the later years, that's where I think you're going to see the most rewards if you actually carve out the time for yourselves, mm-hmm. because then it's about being present in the moment that you have them, even if that is five minutes, you know, one minute, whatever it is that you want to spend on really developing the relationship or understanding where they are in life or diffusing the situation, things like that. But you'll see that if you do take even just that gratitude wins uh, piece that I just said at the very end of your day, that to be proud and confident in your decisions and gain that control back is something that can help with grief. And I feel like that's something that people don't realize that just the simple things in life can help with. Yeah, One of the things we really were talking about in prepping for this is where we are in our lives, selfishly, but we're both sort of sandwichy generation. We have parents who are thankfully great right now, but they are older. And then we've got kids who still need a lot. And we're grieving things like like our parents aging. And we're grieving things that are happening to our children 
maybe a sports disappointment, which we went through this week in our house or college stress, whatever it is, there's a lot of emotion in our lives right now. And we are straddling this line with both sides of it. Are you seeing this with your clients? And if you are, how do we help model this for our kids? I mean, this is a super selfish question, but (laughs) I would like this week to be modeling it for my son that how we walk through this disappointment. (laughs) It's a really great question. Well, let me let me divide it into different portions of like how to help your child and then how to help yourself because it will go hand in hand. You will feel the reward of helping your child. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you can attest that you start learning a lot from them anyway. So by doing this together, it's going to feel a lot more rewarding. So the first part about the sandwich years. So I'm I had older parents, you know, I'm the third. So my parents are in great health, but, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of planning right now. Right. So but I do have a lot of caregiver support group, grief groups. And what I see in that is the different types of grief. And you've probably heard ambiguous grief. It's the grief that you don't get closure. You're, you're grieving and grieving and grieving at certain uh, like maybe points and but you're never getting any closure because mm-hmm. it's not a death it's not an end it's not right. you know definite so that's where finding the things that the coping skills and the comforts in your life are really going to help and i think there has to be an understanding of the situation first so if it is your parent just observing what their role is in your life and how that's going to change and being Mm -hmm. prepared for that. Mm -hmm. And then understanding what role you want to be, because not every child is going to be there for their parent, I've learned. But I mean, if you do, what, what does that look like? Because here's the thing, once you're in it, you're deep in it. Once you're into uh, maybe a dementia situation, once you're in a, a cognitive decline, everything else in between, um, in general, health decline, you're in it. So starting now and realizing what role is going to be really important, especially if, if you have different siblings, having that conversation. The mm. second thing is boundaries, because you are the keeper of your family as well. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be the, just these defining moments that we all have in life, that these pinpoints are like, well, the, that year we know that I was completely absent because this, this, and this. That's going to happen. You just, that, that in life is, is natural. It's okay. People, you know, kids and, and parents are forgiving in a lot of nature, but, but you don't want to go so deep into it where your kids lose you or right. your husband or partner loses you or your parents lose you. So how do you juggle mm-hmm. when you've been juggling so much as a parent. So I think defining your role, setting some boundaries of what are going to be even the hours that you're going to give. Um, mm-hmm. What now is appropriate for support? And I think the major piece that every caretaker or child who is helping a parent is the guilt and the blame mm-hmm. that they will then have just as if we had the, mo- the mom guilt. Well, guess what? It's like comes back around. And you know, you have the parent guilt. Um, my mom so, says it's the gift that keeps on giving guilt. The gift <laughs> that just keeps on giving. I know. I love, you know, it's, I, th- I think we, we, it's talked about a lot. And, but I think that each individual person has to realize that the guilt is going to go in a loop if you allow it oh. to. Uh-huh. So that's where I take, um, there's a book called Getting to Neutral, and it is by a fantastic, I mean, one of the most amazing brain trainers, if you will. Um, he actually mm-hmm. passed away last year of cancer, but his work is so amazing and what a legacy. But it's a great book for everyone to read. He was in the sports industry, so it's definitely, there's some sports heavy, you know, references. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he details how he was able to get to what he calls neutral, not positive, because the whole positive movement is done. Like, we're done. Okay, I'm not going like, to, let's get positive. Like, no, like even the sports programs are like, we're not using that word anymore. We want to get to a point where it's going to be. So neutral is in the point where it's not happy. It's not sad. It's to a point that gets you out of the loop of your head the mental game. So it could be a refocus of some sort, which also helps, as you know, with toddlers, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. Like, what can what I do to, mean? like, get him out of it? Like, scream in heavily. Like, what can I do to, re, you know, redirect? Yes. Um, and I think that this really helps with our youth as well, is, is refocus, redirect, getting to a neutral point where now you're looking at the facts. The second step to that is look at the facts that are in front of you. What is in your control? What's not in your control? What resources do you have in front of you? But stay with the facts only, not the what ifs, uh-huh. uh, not the should haves. All of that right. has to be gone. Now, this practice is going to be very draining at first. But once you teach your brain how to get to neutral, and that is, that is going to be your default, you'll see that you don't even have to think anymore about it. It just It's natural for you to take a pause, if you will, Mm-hmm. and get to the facts of the situation and this is even an emotional situation yeah in. so that i'd say is probably the best way in the moment of distress for either you're you know you're handling your parent or you are there for your children and it's a great lesson for your children to learn right now it's that book um i don't know if y'all read it it's like calm down time and uh, uh, uh. There's a saying, it's like one, two, three, I'm taking care of me, I'm calm as can be. And really, it's the pause. It's the pause mm-hmm. we're trying to create, the breath work we're trying to create mm-hmm. that creates the relaxation in your brain. And to then move on and realistically look at the situation instead of yeah. allowing all of the what ifs, emotions, guilt, blame, so on and so forth, take over. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of this is the you got to stick with the task at hand mm-hmm. and yeah. you will see though that in grief the loop which creates the prolonged grief you'll see that that loop is not going to be there the entire time so my loop could be that after my sister died that I just continuously looped back around to the truck driver that hit her and like why mm-hmm. why 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 her mm-hmm. why her why this time? Like looking, right. trying to figure it out because we mm-hmm. are a cause and effect society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead of that, I really stuck with the facts of the situation and also understood that that experience, how she died, does not define who she is in my life. So why am I focusing and looping back to that? Mm. My why is why she was here. What impact did she have in my life? There was a reason for her to be in our life. So I think that even going to your parents and, you know, having that beautiful moment of reflection of where they are, where they were throughout Mm -hmm. your life and where they are now, and just having a better view of that in um, your daily life is helpful, journaling and so on and so forth on that. I does know. that does that? Does yeah, that, that answers pretty much okay. all the questions of the universe. That's- <laughs> I know, I know, and I am thankful that without doing it on purpose, because we don't know what we're doing, we kind of got to that place in our household this weekend. Like we had a disappointment. I spiraled big time to the what ifs, whys, why did this happen this way? What and we're trying to like, what is going on? You know, we're we're diving into all of this, and we finally got to the place last night. So it it took more than the weekend then, I guess. But we got to the place (laughs) last night where we realized we need to look at just the facts. And we only have these facts. It's all we've got to work with. And we can only control our reaction. We can only control what we do going forward. And it changed things for me. Like I went to bed with a kind of calmer, not totally there. I mean, I'm still working through it, but calmer overall aspect and was able to fall asleep. And I think the same for my child. He bopped off to data school like in a better place that's a really i'm glad you said that as far as the weekend and that you don't feel completely it it hasn't processed completely right you know we want to we want to fix we want to know that grief's going to go away we want to know all these things and and the thing is is you have to trust yourself and your instincts especially as women i feel like have really strong instinct in life Mm -hmm. and so you have to really trust that and listen to that give it in the time and space because and respect it because if you don't respect what your instinct is telling you or what this emotion is driving and giving it again that weekend that week that two weeks and if you stop 
seeking or listening, that's mm. when it's going to blow up. But if you yeah. continuously work towards finding release or coping, I promise you, I've been through from death of you know grief to a month ago, I was having to completely rebuild our life as a family as, as far as our structure with my husband's work schedule and then yeah. my, I mean, every, you know, so, so those are, that's just a minute way that you're having to rebuild and then recreate a, a, be- a better mindset around it. Yeah. So, but it was painful. It was so painful to do. And it's hard. It is. It's so hard. And, yeah. but I knew that if I use that pain to push through and keep seeking and listen to my instinct, I would find the answer. It's when mm. I give in to the pain. And just be like, yeah, okay. You know, like it's painful. Just I can't, I'm just going to, yeah, it's, yeah. That's when you're going to lose sight of what your body, your instinct, your life is telling you. Ooh. So keep pushing, you know, finding ways. We are such a good information society. So yeah. why not utilize all that we have? I have this amazing chiropractor in Austin. Oh, She's changed my <laughs> life. She's more than a chiropractor. She one day, this is I've again, I've been through a lot of therapies. Um, <laughs> one day she's adjusting and she's like, Who told you that you needed to grow up when you were younger? Like little, little. Like you need to grow up and you know, grow up, grow up. I'm hearing grow up. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I'm the third born. I was always pushed even in even if it wasn't my parents intention mm. it was like my grandparents say do it yourself da, 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 da. so I've been, I've, from that I've been very independent so when I become a mother having to have two little boys so dependent on me it was a huge struggle yeah. to have that kind of attachment and so I had to realize that my own childhood was coming out in a way I didn't even realize but that's the thing. I'm always up for new challenges of what can we do to be better. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a friend who just has the best listening ear, go to it, you know, utilize it and find a way through it. Talk your way through it even because it's yeah. it's just about getting to that point of where it's very, very painful, but maybe we're finding some solutions or uh, finding coping skills The books that I have as far as coping skills. So the books are created where the the majority of it, it's you tell your story. So there's five questions in each of them and it it prompts you to really understand your grief. And the more you understand your grief, whether it be the loss of a loved one, pet, job, whatever, the more you understand it, the more people will not dictate it. Hmm. How many times... Has mm-hmm. someone been like, I'm, where's the old you? Or yeah. isn't it time to move on? Or mm-hmm. even like the little hints of get over it, you know, whatever that looks like. Or like, um, I find that like, what's the word I'm trying to think of where like basically they're trying to qualify and quantify your grief. Like there are other worse yes. things. What is going on? With yes. You? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Great, great example. Yes, it, that that just diminishes ever all the work that you do anyway mm-hmm. as well. So if I was really strong in anything, if I was a specialist in something, and I was able to articulate that, you would listen, you would believe, mm-hmm. you would know. Be your own expert in your own grief, mm. and then that way people will will not look at it as I need to fix her. It's she seems to have this figured out. And yeah. that's an area I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. You know, she's got it figured out. So because yeah. we want to fix, you know, we yeah. want to fix people. So you've said I think so that, many things there that seem to be like a little I don't know if it's a warning or just a caution sign for us Enneagram nines who I don't think, I think we probably would be tempted to stop when it starts to get hard and just be like, yeah. I guess I just feel sad. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to go take just, a nap about it. Gonna, or to, because of the people pleasing nature, to trust them more than we trust ourselves wow. about how we should be feeling or what we should be doing. Yes. Perfectly said. I think that, that that's probably um, more so the client that I see for sure, because what I help that client do 
is find their inner voice, know their core beliefs. And so you, once you strengthen the inside of all of that, then it feels like, it feels like that other area that you're talking, like that control mm-hmm. is easier. Mm-hmm. But if you were never interested and, or it, you, you haven't been that seeker all your life, then it won't become second nature to you. So you do have to work as an adult to strengthen that. And that's really just looking at your talent. Everyone has their own individual talents and skills and that it looks different for everyone. And then everyone has their own core belief that was presented to them and a lot of imprint when you were younger, one one through seven. And so as an adult, you have to really look back on that and say, what am I going to keep of those Mm -hmm. core beliefs and what am I going to change? And that's, right. it's hard. It's, it's really hard. I mean, from, you know, religious beliefs to, um, yeah. that you didn't even realize impacted right. you, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. to just, you know, where you were, where you fell in your family, you know, what role you played, um, mm-hmm. in your family. So I do want to answer your question though, about kids, because I feel like I've been working with a lot of, for the first time. Uh, a lot of 14-year-olds, 14, 15, 16. Usually um, I was working with people transitioning out of high school or out of college. Right. So number one, the the good news is a lot of the youth is they're asking for help. So I think that stigma is being broken down little by little. Yeah. But it is being broken down. So that's one great thing. The second thing is they are so intuitive and people don't give them credit for it not um i think they know themselves more than they actually do it's just about Uh building their confidence and so if they're in a grief position whether it be literally lost a football game or they do have a loss of a friendship or a person. Or don't get into that particular college that they're going for. It's going to be a big thing coming up here in the next couple months. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The three like go-to L's is lend, listen, and lead. So lend um, questions, questions that are going to be really impactful. So, you know, if it is a situation where they didn't get into a college, let's take that. You, the questions could be more of like, okay, we didn't get in. First of all, how does it make you feel? Like what overall, what about this college would you be grieving like of that mm. loss? Because that's what loss is. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a teaching moment. Like, did you know that loss, there's grief in that. So yeah. Uh, so what about this college would you be grieving the most? And then listen. So then you want them to be able to just dump their emotions, okay, and, and have that space. And even if they don't want to dump it on you, then buy them a journal. I love letting people just, like, take them to Target. Target has the cutest stuff, right? So take them to Target, <laughs> let them buy their, or, like, pick out their own journal. I even like to look at, like, their own pen. I mean, make it something very personal you know yeah. and then say hey you know if you need to go into your room scream in a pillow because that's okay journal dump everything that you had your expectations what you wanted to get out of that you know what what were you seeking in that college truly because that is not for you but there is something that is. And right. this life experience is telling us that. Mm. It's telling, this isn't yeah. for you, but there is something else. And if we just sit here and do nothing about it, we're never going to find it. So then, of course, leading by example, you know, there were so so many times my mom and I, like when I was in college, there were some things that popped up along the way. And she could re- relate to them. It was the first time that m- my mom and I were able to have a conversation as me as a young adult, her, mm-hmm. you know, adult, and, and there'd be a relatable feature there that really helped. Mm-hmm. And it was a, an explosion of a new relationship that was really yeah. cool. So don't think that you, you know, have to keep all of your life experiences when you were in your 20s to yourself, like utilize those. It doesn't have to diminish theirs, like you were saying. Don't right. yes. none of the diminish. Right. Theirs. Oh, you with that? Guess what happened to me? <laughs> you don't know what. I mean, I had to go through. No, no, no. Yeah, it was more like if I can do it, 
you can do it, you know, like uh, this, and this is the circumstances. So I think that being that listening ear, having the really important questions and you'll find the questions along the way, but questions are going to allow them to really think about it. So what that does though, this is the cool part. If you start that early, even in your teens, you'll see that when they come through their 25, 30, whatever, that they'll go back to that experience that worked for them. So we always have a starting point of mm-hmm. for grief. Like what helped us cope with the first breakup and whatever yeah. we faced? Mm-hmm. What helped with us when we lost our first animal? You know, so we do, there's always going to be a starting point for all of us. So yeah. their starting point could be this example. And then what did they do that really helped them? And of course, again, the support that you've given them is really important too. Yeah, such good advice. And that's, we were actually going to ask you because your most recent book about the grief around the loss of a pet. We just happened to have a dear, dear friend who lost her beautiful puppy a couple of weeks ago. And, but I think that a lot of the advice that you've given here is similar to the advice that we would give around any kind of grief, whether it be pet, job loss, career loss, a personal loss. And you also gave some really good recommendations for what not to do. Yeah, well, Um, you guys help me in that one too. But as someone who always feels at a loss for what to do when someone is grieving, like not trying to insert myself too much into their business, but not trying to not respect or ignore what they're going through. Like how, how does one feel that out? Or are there some just general rules of thumb for how to be part of that process? for them. Well, you definitely said the the right word of filling it out. So if it's someone who you have known your, your whole life, I think that if you have any reflection of your own of how you miss that person, well, that all of that is welcome. I will say, unless there was a, a very difficult, complex relationship that those people had, then it gets into just how can I support? And then you follow that up with, if you don't know it, these are some ways that I would like to support you. Um, food, even if you're acquaintances that you just met, but yet they have a loss, just saying, hey, what night do you want me to bring over this? And be very specific, just showing that Southern hospitality that mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, is there and always has been. But I will say, I'll give you an example. We're all sitting in the church of my, in my hometown, from a very small town. You might've heard the accent there but um <laughs> so we're sitting in the church and this lady comes in and she's the character she's like one of the, you know she's the funny one of our of our group she just pumps in and she's like well this effing sucks and of course she says the whole word i, I don't want to i don't want to jolt your listener but just she's like well this effing sucks and i was like it does it i think that at the time it just felt so inappropriate and appropriate at the same time <laughs> in a church of all that, you know, like I was right. like, just, that felt so good for someone to say that it just sucks. And mm-hmm. so Gives you were released to be like, yes, yes. Yes. So even if you want to offer up that this is not a good experience and that you are here for whatever needs they are that they need, that's good. And then of course the check-in. I mean, I have people check in to this day, but through text on her death date, on her birthday, you know. So I think mm-hmm. that they're just having those check-ins mm. are really helpful. I mean, yeah. severely helpful. This Great is amazing. Advice. I want everybody to read the books. Yes, I so want, you. I would like to continue this conversation at some point because I just think it's important. I think we're in such a weird phase. We've been saying it for years now, but like life is weird right now. Things are strange and um, a lot is happening in our world that mm-hmm. it's hard to even begin to comprehend and acknowledge all of it. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of grieving around what could have been the past two or three right. years that yes. we didn't oh. get to do. So yeah, right. exactly. Right. And how could we have done this differently? Did we mess things up? Like it's just... Yeah, there's a lot of grief, like a lot of uh, was lost in the last few years. And mm-hmm. um, I just Absolutely. think people need a, to find, we all need help finding our way through it. Right. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, where can listeners find you who would like to continue this conversation directly with you? Sure. So I, uh, my website, Coach Megan Young, um, M-E-G-A-N-Y-O-U-N-G, it's real, real 
easy. Um, I'm also on Instagram and TikTok and all the social medias that coach Megan Young. Um, the books are on Amazon as well. Uh, that's if you want something in the comfort of your home, you, even a starting point, those are really great for starting. Or if you, even if you've been grieving for 10 years, but haven't processed it correctly, mm-hmm. it's a great starting point. So it's something that I go, each of those books I actually go back to because again, Greece, when you've lost a loved one is forever in a lot of cases. So mm-hmm. my sister died uh, 12 years ago, but she was, she was, she would be 40 in this past December. And it was a really oh. hard one. I didn't even expect it. So I brought out a lot of those um, coping skills and practices. There's a lot to name in there. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that you, that will actually, if you're one who wants kind of like a guiding toolkit that's kind of the the purpose of that that's a great point that it doesn't go away you've Mm -hmm. seen that i'm sure you've seen it it's like a image of the grief doesn't shrink you just get bigger and your life gets bigger around it and yes Mm -hmm. it's always there yeah yeah it's that acceptance too yeah Uh, but thankfully i will say i have a lot of resources too so there's been tremendous strides and studies in last year and this year on grief, like science-based studies that are just changing the way we see grief. So know that resources are getting better, that we're understanding it better of how the composition of your brain and how it it really impacts it. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good time to find what kind of therapy works for you because that's different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like it's kind of a rough transition into now it's time for a look, listen, learn. I know, right? Well, uh, but no, I think that's great. And the people can, like you said, in the comfort of their own home, they can use your books or if they're ready to take that next step, reach out to you. So we'll put all yeah. those links in the show notes. But yes, even though it's not the smoothest transition, now it's time for look, listen, learn. Here we go. <laughs> We're just silly. Uh, but yes, for anybody who's a new listener, welcome. We are so glad you're here. At the end of each show, we like to spend a couple minutes on our Look, Listen, Learns, where we talk about some things that we're either reading or watching or learning about, or a great invention that's been brought into our lives. But uh, we don't like to put our guests in the hot seat. So Missy, do you want to start with your Look, Listen, Learns? Sure. I just read Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Have either one of you read that? No. So good. It's about, um, it's a novel about a character named Elizabeth Zott, and she is a scientist in the 50s and 60s, and it is about trying to exist in a man's world that is not ready for her. And it's just a lovely, lovely, well-written story. And um, I teared up a couple times in it. And then when it ended, I was like, oh, no, no, it's over. So I loved it. I highly recommend it. And um, I also, we recently watched Fortune Feimster special. Do y'all know who Fortune Feimster is? No. Um, she's a comedian and she's dang funny, man. She used to be on Chelsea lately. And um, okay. Okay. I'm trying to think where else I know her from. Um, she's been, she's had parts in a lot of Mindy Kaling shows. She's dang funny. So her latest special, and I did not write it down in my notes. I will find it and put it in the show notes. I can't remember the name of it, but it's on Netflix and it is a good one. Awesome. So what about you, Megan? What are you look, listening, learning? Well, it's funny. It's like, I'm not going to give any lighter answers. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I didn't purposely just fill my books up with stuff about death. It just happened. But <laughs> I too. just read a book. Well, the book I'm currently reading is called How We Live is How We Die. And it's very interesting on just how to live in the moment, how to be present, th- these things that really do mm. kind of matter. And it's, and it's just a completely different look on that in general. And then, I mean, there's so many, there's so many Netflix shows that I love to literally schedule just to be kind of mindless shows. And Uh so so, uh, the Wednesday Adams. uh, It was really good. It was really good. I wasn't even expecting to watch it. I was like, let's just mindless. But, and then I was like, oh, wow, this is okay. I'm I'm into this. Um, (laughs) And there's a book I'm going to, I'm losing the name of it right now. I, but it's basically, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's basically uh, this mortician who travel the world to look at different places of how they, how they grieve and how they, the funerals oh. essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's mind blowing how other countries really take the stigma out of it and mm-hmm. celebrate 
someone's life yeah. and what they do is just so extra- extravagant and special that it makes you want to redesign what that looks like for for you so yeah it's pretty cool and she's super funny and so to say to have like a mortician that's super funny and <laughs> right it, yeah <laughs> right. it's great it's a great yeah, people aren't always like those morticians. So no, funny. I read yeah. a statistic that the morticians are the happiest career. I think Oprah told me that once. That as far as like people life satisfaction and just their level really? of happiness, morticians. Oh my god, yeah, I, can't and I can see imagine. that. And I Oprah would that, maybe right? they just see the finality, so they're like, "Well, I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here." Yes, or yes, they just spend so it. much time like in that the healing and the grieving, yeah. and just that yeah. it's a continual process for them. And that's I don't yeah. know. There's got to be some something healthy about that. Yeah, good for your Absolutely. brain. Yeah, something. Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. Awesome. Well, what about you, Suzanne? What are you up to? Okay, so my look is also my learn. I. Oh my God. So my friend, Allison, who is a literary agent and knows all kinds of like editors and amazing people and like publishers of magazines and all these people has started a book club and somehow I'm in it, <laughs> and which I already knew I was going to be like this little random, like, just, I don't know. I don't know. I was already <laughs> questioning my place. Oh, don't question it. Okay, but no, I, but I knew it was gonna be fun because these are all I've met many of the ladies before and I was like, this is gonna be great, even if I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Right. Um, so we get to the first meeting or I get to the first meeting late because I was making dinner for the kiddos. So show up, crawl over everybody, just kind of sit in my place. And everybody's talking about this book, which I had not got the memo or the email. Well, apparently I had gotten the email. I did not read where it said what the book was going to be. Yeah. So this, since it was the first meeting and nobody had mentioned a book that, to my knowledge, I <laughs> just assumed it was going to be like a meet and greet, like a first kickoff. We were all going to talk, yeah. you know, set some ground rules about what the, what the meeting was going to be. And then she sent in an email the day of, and she's like, I, I like to start the meetings with a couple of quotes. And I was like, oh, I guess we're just going to spend the meeting like really digging into these two quotes i don't know they're gonna be great quotes and but then i get there and like everybody had this book in their lap which is tomorrow uh, and tomorrow and tomorrow i have seen it never read it so okay. literally everybody else got the memo but me and so and they're just and, and they're not just talking about the book i mean they are literary agent editor level talking about the book and what so, was the consensus like did it make you oh, excited to read it everybody liked it everybody liked it okay but you know i'm just like i can only nod and smile my way so far through this meeting before i like someone's gonna catch on that i don't know what the hell is going on <laughs> and then so one of the one of the women goes to leave and so and so allison's all like oh well before you go let's do a quick introduction around so everybody you know say who you are and what your connection is to the literary field and what your thoughts are on the book <laughs> Oh, no. And so it goes, which was actually the perfect out because I wasn't going to try to pretend I knew. I was just right. trying to figure out like, when is the best time? And since I showed to up announce. late, they were already in the mid discussion. So it wasn't like the most perfect time. So, um, so yes, I just came right out and told them that I have no idea what any of you are talking about because <laughs> I did not read this book. Oh, that's um, awesome. <laughs> so I am making it for the last time. And, but it did make me realize that like, if I did not see that email, what else am I missing? So I've wow. spent the past couple of days trying to get control on my inbox, getting rid of Smart. stuff, unsubscribing. Cause this was not an email that it would ever like, I call it going below the fold. Like once it goes below mm -hmm. the fold and I don't see it like right in front of my face, it's like, it did not happen. Um, right. So it made me worry what other things in my life are going below the fold and I'm not <laughs> catching on to. I know. Um, but also just made me realize just how much nonsense I'm cluttering my brain and my energy with that's in, coming in through my inbox. And I'm giving these people permission to bug me on a regular right. basis. And I just don't. And like the assault it, is so. nonstop. I mean, it, it, it is. Never... 
It is. And it, especially with like all the college stuff, for some reason, they also email me Yep. in addition to Zoe. And so mm -hmm. all the colleges that are not on her radar anymore, I just was like, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Yeah. And so it felt very good. I, it, it felt kind of like a waste of a day yesterday, but then today when I felt a lot lighter, I was like, no, that was time well spent. So just a reminder that uh, you give people permission to be in your inbox and do they deserve that permission? So give true. it a thought. So yes. So true. Yes. Yeah. So that is mine. Oh my gosh. This is awesome. such a great conversation. Oh, a conversation. Um, I have so much to marinate on. So I know. We'll and I just... Oh, I'm so grateful for all that you do and yes. all the healing that you help people through. And I think it is a conversation we need to have again, because we do, we usually think about grief when it's too late, like after someone has died. And we think of it in that singular vision of mm -hmm. death when there is so much grief. As far as kids that missed proms two years ago, jobs that we're not getting, or visions yeah. of, of life that could have been lived, all these sliding doors, <laughs> you know, right. lives. That, right. So yeah, there's just a lot of different ways to think about it in your life, not just around death like we typically do. So yes. thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I hope you just keep seeking, digging, doing all the things because as moms, I feel like we can get so overwhelmed and oh, overloaded. It's mm -hmm. always the second thing on our list, not mm -hmm. the first. It's our, so or the right. third, just or the, the little things, yeah. like just, the, yeah, start with the little thing and acknowledge it and you'll see the changes that can be made. Yeah, I love that's that. A great reminder. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Have a great rainy afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> My hair is drying. <laughs> All right. Mine is too. That was messing with it. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com, with the A and D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>